Good morning, church. Good morning. What a wonderful way to um, just end the worship time with that. Uh, you'll always be holy forever. What a wonderful reminder for us. And not to add to what um, Matt was saying, just about the book swap. These are these are books that know that people think they might help other people and they don't want them in their houses anymore. So if you don't have to swap to do an exchange, they're just all free to go. So if you just want to have a browse at the end, if you don't have to have brought in books to swap, they are free to go. So please help yourselves. And so for those who don't know me, my name is Tim Cowles. I'm the leading the team here. And we're doing a series at the moment called Mountain Movers, a series where we're, we're responding to a verse where Jesus encouraged the disciples with just small faith that they could see incredible things such as the mountains be cast into the sea. And we're believing that this faith isn't something that we drum up or self-manufacture inside of us, but is, is about having a faith in the one who created the mountains, the one who can move them, calling on his name, God's name, Jesus' name, calling on the Holy Spirit in faith to do marvelous wonders in our lives, whatever the shadows of the mountains that we might find ourselves in. And so we've been looking at a collection of stories in the Bible of God delivering his people. So far we've, we've looked at four. We've looked at when there was no pathway to be found at the Red Sea, God provided for the people. So when there's pathways unknown, we can trust that God can provide in that situation. When our beliefs are under fire, and we saw that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were thrown into the furnace, that God can protect us during those times. When strongholds appear impenetrable, as Joshua and the Israelites found as they were walking around Jericho, we know that the name of the Lord, strongholds, can come tumbling down. And when we don't feel like it, as Chris sort of explored last week with Jonah, God can still use us powerfully for incredible ways. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to leave the Old Testament behind and we're going to jump into the New Testament. We're going to be looking at a story in Acts 3. And as I was kind of preparing this, it's kind of felt like a, it, like a, there's a moment of harmonization that I kind of felt from, from this um, that I'm going to just explore with us. Um, and so we're going to sort of be looking at the story, but maybe looking at it from a different lens um, than just necessarily just going through it. But I want, so my, my opening sort of thought for you to consider is I want you just to visualize right now, what does your usual week look like? Seven days in a week, what does your, just start visualizing that. Seven days in a week, what, what might routine look like? What does it, you know, what do you have going on each day? You know, I played football yesterday. So if you see me hobbling around, that's why. Okay, just pray for strength for me during this and for healing of some terrible blisters. But what might your routine look like across the course of the week? Just, just reflect on that. And so we're going to be looking at a story from Acts 3 where Peter and, and John encounter a lame person. But I'm going to read from Acts 2.42 all the way through to Acts 3.16 because I think it will serve us really well. Before we do that, I just want to pray for us as we open up the Bible. Lord, we just welcome you here. Lord, uh, we know that you're here already, but Lord, we just pray that uh, we would sense your presence more and more 
uh, in this place. Lord, let these words just resonate with our hearts and our ears and that we would just take them uh, to heart, Lord, the message that you've given me to, to bring to us. And Lord, we pray that as we leave this place that we'd be encouraged and stirred up uh, to seek your purposes uh, in wherever we find ourselves to be. So Lord, we just pray for that. Please be with us. Please bless us. Amen. Okay, so if you have your Bibles with you, um, or on your phones, because we're in old school August. They won't come up on the screen behind me. Why don't you just turn with me to Acts 2, 42. There are some Bibles at the back. Maybe David could help give those out. I'll just wait, actually. Does anyone want a Bible? Yeah. Stick a, throw a hand up. I have no problem waiting. We can all get there together. Oh, has anyone found the page in there? Uh, that'll be... 1094. 1094. That's where you can find it. Really quick. Are you ready? Excellent. The Fellowship of Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. It's a wonderful story and it's worth reading on um, into the chapter 4 and the rest of it. Because what happens is that the, there's such a commotion that's going on that the temple guards and the Sadducees, these religious leaders, come out from the temple where they were being like, what's going on? And they see all this commotion. They all obviously know who this person is. And, and it leads to a, a, a moment where they're trying to stop it in terms of they're trying to be like, what's, you know, what's going on? Stop preaching about Jesus. And they end up throwing Peter and John in prison because it's late in the day of uh, in the evening. And then the next morning they come before like the Sanhedrin, like the huge gathering of the Sadducees, the religious leaders. And, and it's wonderful because they're really frustrated with Peter and John. But there's nothing they can do because a miracle's happened at, you know, at God's hand. Everyone knows he's a 40-year-old bloke who was lame and disabled at birth. But here he is, healed that doesn't happen every day. And so it ends up where they sort of like, please stop speaking about Jesus. And, and it's obviously they go and they have courage and they keep praying about it and they go on. But it's, it's an encouragement to us. And so I'd encourage you just to, yeah, read it through the Acts, about the Acts of the Apostles, about the early church. And this context we find ourselves in, and in this book, so we're reminded that Acts 1 is about Jesus' ascension into heaven and Jesus said to his disciples hang around in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. In Acts 2 it's Pentecost where that the Holy Spirit does come over them and there's this time when then Peter stands up because again you know almost interesting where the spirit of the work of God is commotion happens and so there's another commotion that happens there and Peter speaks and explains what's going on because the Spirit's given him those words to share and 3,000 people are Saved, baptized, and added. And then Acts 3 then rolls straight into this story. And this is the early church, you know, the early charge following the ascension of Jesus. So it's post ascension, Holy Spirit has come over the new believers. And we are broadly 2,000 years later um, in 2023. And we're roughly 3,000 miles away from where this occurred. But we're still living in a time of post-Jesus ascension. Holy Spirit poured out for his believers. We're still in that same window where we are as a, uh, as a believers. And the Holy Spirit and the impact of the Holy Spirit hasn't diluted over time. Because the Holy Spirit is the third person of God. That's what we believe. He is at work today as God the Father, God the Son is at work today. As I've been preparing this, I've been feeling like there's um, something quite clear that God's just laid on my heart. That's what we want to talk to us about. So earlier, I asked in the, you know, what does your routine look like? And you might think that, okay, well, yeah, 
you've got the usual categories of boulders to go in, like if you work, you've got work cross course the week. If you, if you like to sleep, I like to sleep. You've got sleep going on, eating, watching TV, maybe go to the gym, maybe catch up with family, all those things that get plugged out to make up you know, our kind of 168 hours of the week. And I can imagine you might be thinking, okay, is this another moment where the, the pastor is going to be saying, well, how much time do you put reading your Bible? How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you spend worshipping? And all those things are important. And, you know, we wouldn't be leaders if we don't say, please continue to do that. We all struggle at times, but please keep going. But that's not what this, this message is, is about solely. I feel that there's this moment of harmonization for, my, for us and for myself about just a reframing, I think, of what God wants to maybe put in place for some of us. Do you know what is culturally and spiritually significant about this, this day that the Peter and John met with this, um, this lame beggar? Do you know what's culturally and spiritually important about it? I'll tell you. Once another drink. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. This is just another day. This is just another day. Peter and John are walking to the temple at 3 p.m. in the afternoon to, to, to for a prayer meeting to meet up with the Jews and the believers in the temple courts. That's why I wanted us to read Acts 2, 42 to 46, because in 46 it says, every day, every day they continue to meet together in temple courts. This is just a very normal day of the week. This is just a very normal day of the week. And I feel like God wants us to remind us from this message and in this Mountain Movers series that he is God over every day for us to know that he is God over every day. He's not just Sundays, not just the times where we go to the prayer meetings, not just where we're feeling particularly spiritual or where we're going to home group or whether we're serving in the ministries that are going on. He is God over every day, every seven days, every 168 hours, every 10,018 minutes across the course of the week. He is God over every moment of that. And the story is slightly nuanced here compared to the others that we've heard over the course of this week. At the Red Sea, God had been leading the Israelites by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to get them to the edge of the Red Sea. He'd been directing them. They'd just been following him behind him. In the story of Jericho, God had instructed them of when to be quiet in terms of their walking around Jericho, the city, and when to shout out. And with Jonah, God instructed him to go to Nineveh. And many, maybe like us, we just go, well, I'll go the other way. You know, that's, um, I'll go the opposite direction. All those are examples of God deliberately guiding and leading his people where he wants them to go. But this story is different. This story is every day. This story is routine. The, the normality of life is found in this story. It's not searched for, it's just two guys on their commute. Two guys on a commute. And so Peter's story in his, we, we can presume that as they met daily, they probably passed this guy however many times. We don't know from 
well, however long they've been going to this prayer meeting, they probably maybe entered different gates depending on where they were in the city. But they probably passed this guy a number of times. Other believers have probably passed this guy. Jesus probably passed this guy um, to get into the, to the temple to pray at this time. But today something different happens. In a daily routine, we see a, an innocuous moment in the hustle and bustle of everyday life where Peter has a rise of faith. We don't know what stopped him necessarily compared to those other days where he would have passed in the same beggar would presumably have, as we all see people on the streets, just, you know, almost unexpectedly, but maybe offering out uh, a hand in, in wanting to receive. And something within Peter stops him in, on this day, in this moment, where he stares at, you know, he says, look at me, look at me. Something stirs up in his heart. Compassion, a care, concern, love. But something stirs up in him. And I wonder if, you know, he's thinking, I'm seeing you here day after day. You ask for money, but your spiritual poverty is much deeper, much poorer. You know, your pain is deep. I can see it in your eyes. But maybe something happens with, I believe Jesus wants to heal you in this moment, on this day. And there's a rise of faith moment. I'm not entirely sure that this, this illustration is going to work out as well, but in terms of like this, this harmonization, this is kind of, I think, what maybe God wants some of us just to know in terms of a reframing um, for us. I think God wants to remind us that we are permanent citizens of the kingdom. If you're a believer, you believe Jesus died, he rose again, he died for your sins, you're a, and you put your trust in him, you're a permanent believer of the, of the kingdom. And so when we go to bed, you're a permanent king, uh, member of the kingdom. And when you wake up, you're a permanent citizen of the kingdom. And so this is my passport from when I was 15 to when I was 20. Um, it's got an absolutely horrific picture in there. Haircut, terrible. Don't really know what I was wearing. Would seem not out of place on Crime Watch. As it, as it, honestly, if we had the... Thank goodness it's... Um, old school August, otherwise I just have to sit back down again, you know. And we'll, we'll, we'll breeze past the, uh, yeah, we'll pass it around, shall we? And everyone can have a little look. Um, and so this is my passport from when I was 15 to when I was 20. It's my citizenship, my identity to, to, to declare that I'm a British citizen and that I'm part of the United Kingdom of uh, Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and this passport was valid for five years. It means I have the right, right to the abode in the United Kingdom. And it says inside, didn't realize this, but it's always good when you read formal documents, isn't it? But it says in here, it says, uh, God bless her soul, her Br Britannic Majesty's Secretary of State requests and requires in the name of Her Majesty all those whom it may concern to allow the bearer to pass freely without, uh, without let or hindrance and to afford the bearer such assistance and protection as may be necessary. That's pretty good. Should read, should read these documents. I want you to imagine that as a believer, 
you have one of these. Okay, as a believer, you have one of these uh, that declares that you have the same, you have the rights of the Son of God. Because that's what we put our faith in. To abode in the heavenly kingdoms and all the heavenly territories. And inside it reads, his royal kingdom declares, but by the will of God, the Holy Spirit will be sent to the bearer and will provide assistance and protection as may be necessary. And so when I wake up each morning, I instinctively don't think about it every day to wake up, say, I'm a British citizen today. You know, I don't naturally, but unconsciously, I suppose, I'll realize and I'll know that I'm a British citizen. But when I wake up, do I instinctively realize that I'm a citizen of heaven? Do I wake up with the, that mindset that the Holy Spirit, that the, the third part of God, of God, the author of life, who dwells within me, do I wake up and go, I have that? God's given uh, that to me. I don't know how it works out, but somehow the Holy Spirit dwells within inside us if we're believers. I'm not sure how it pans out, but that's true. That's what it says. It's, it's been given to us, and it seals the promises of God in our hearts. And as Jesus said, I will send my comforter to, to help you, to provide us assistance. Do I know that? And I feel the enemy of this world would like to deceive us and dilute our understanding of this. When I was 19, I traveled, um, did some voluntary work, and I traveled around East Africa and visited seven countries when I was there. And each time I went to a different country, I had to get a visa stamp. So I had to go to you know, either an embassy beforehand or you do have passport control to get a, a visa that would allow you a limited time access into the country, into a different kingdom, before I'd be kicked out again, as it were. Obviously, I'd just leave, but you know, you, you can't then return back in. And so wherever I went, I'd be stamped in, stamped out, depending on... Uh, and each one had different, different lengths of time. And I believe the enemy wants to deceive us of our citizenship. As I mentioned at the beginning, like, what does your routine look like? And I know myself, I think, oh, I should read my Bible more, I could pray more, I could worship more. And the enemy knows these feelings, because these are the same feelings that lots of believers for the generations have had. And he can use these moments to stifle us of our faith, because we feel the need that if we're not praying, or we're not reading, or we're not worshipping, that means our citizenship is lost. Or it means that we're, we're meant to get to a place of, well, I need to attend a couple of prayer meetings to build up some sort of visa allowance scheme so I can be stamped in on my citizenship of heaven visa so I can maybe access some of God before I get stamped out again for not being good enough. And I think just God wants to remind us this morning that when we're citizens of heaven, we are permanent citizens. Okay, you're permanent citizens. If you're a believer and you put your faith and your trust in him, and we're not to let the, the enemy deceive us and or... Uh, of our inadequacies, because Dave prayed, Jesus covered those for us. He has covered those for us. And Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. Move from here to there. And it will be moved, because nothing will be impossible for you. 
So even when we have little faith, God can do big things. Even when we have little faith. And God is the God of every day. And we are citizens of heaven. Every day. In this story, Peter was off to a meeting in the temple courts. But he could have also been off to the local supermarket. He could have been off to the local restaurant. He could have been off to the workplace. He could have been off to, his, to a family gathering or a shopping center. But in this moment, he's just off to a prayer meeting. And where Peter goes, he takes the indwelling of the Holy Spirit with him. And perhaps there's an additional perspective that we all we kind of think, oh, where is God at work? Let's see where God's at work. That's really important. And there are times when that happens. But maybe there's an additional one thing for us to consider, which is, well, God can, can work where I am because the Holy Spirit dwells within inside me. So for us to have a mindset of God can be at work in any situation that we find ourselves in because he partners with us and we have the Spirit dwelling within inside us to, to partner with him in that. Um, as I was preparing for studying, there was a, there's a 20th century theologian called William Lesseau. And he said, it is not the church's business in the world to simply make the present condition more bearable. The task of the church is to release here on earth the redemptive work of God in Christ. It's so important that all the ministries that we have that go on in terms of social justice and meeting as this story would be like, you know, silver or gold, I do not have. But we can't lose sight of the fact that actually beyond that, the task of the church is to release here on earth the redemptive work of God in Christ. To meet the spiritual poverty of the needs of the people here. To say, Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He went to the cross for you. And God would love to for you to respond to know him more. In the story, we see some real boldness from, from Peter in three many ways that can be relevant for us today. One is there's an open to right, there's an openness to a rise of faith. So there's a rise of faith moment that is uh, beyond the approach that we're saying just to say, here's some money to just ease your your daily need, this daily situation. He is stirred in the moment to think how can to think to see the spiritual poverty that exists for this man beyond just a financial, beyond a disability. And then he acts on it. It's been so easy, I guess, for them to like, just put some coins in and walk past. But he doesn't do that. He, he also doesn't witness to the guy first. He doesn't have a moment where he says, you need to accept Jesus before any of this might happen. He speaks in faith over this guy's present condition. And we see this redemptive work of God in Christ evidenced. Peter knows that he's been given authority to speak healing in Jesus' name. All the way when Jesus, I think in Luke 9, we see that Jesus sends out the 12 and he, he empowers them. It says that he gives them authority to speak over spirits and to speak into to healing. So Peter's already seen a, 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 a moment of this in his life already and so he knows um, that there's that in Jesus name 
healing can come. In Jesus' name, spirits can be driven out. In Jesus' name, um, just moments can be opened up and the redemptive work of Christ can come through here. But there's a faith over fear moment. I mean, that's just bold, isn't it? Just looking at this story, thinking there's been a disabled person for 40 years, and it's not just putting your hand on them to say, Lord, please bless this person, please heal them. He starts to pull this guy up. You know, imagine like in in our context, you know, a disabled person from birth just pulling them out of the wheelchair. You know, there's a real boldness that comes from here where in our fear it can go horribly wrong. And in, in the time of social media, be like, here's a church in Jube, in Shepparton that are yanking people out of their wheelchairs, proclaiming healing over them. You can just, see, you know, see how it can just go wrong. But, but Peter's faith... In, in what Jesus can do is bigger than his fear. I've got too much paper here now. So I need to, f- here we go. Evidence B. Um, we, sung, we sung that song, Greater Than It All. And it said in, we sung a line here, I walk by faith and not by sight. I think that's a verse in Galatians. But by sight, you'd be like, this person's never going to be healed. They've been lame for 40 years. They're, ne- they're not standing up again you know, or, or walking, but I live by faith. And there's a moment that comes um, where his ankles and his, his legs don't become strong before he gets up. His ankles and his, um, the strength comes in the process of him being pulled up, yeah, getting up. It's the same, yeah, I think, I've heard someone mention about water into wine, I think it might be in the prayer meeting. But there's uh, that moment where, where Jesus tells the, the servers to fill up the water jars. Do you remember in the story? Fill up the water jars. And then he says, now go and take some of this to the, the wine master for the evening. And they don't know. And almost between that moment of going, okay, I'm trusting you. I'm going to walk this water <laughs> from this cup that's apparently wine to the wine master. There's, there's a miracle that happens in a faith moment. Where the wine master's like, wow, this is the best wine we've ever had. You saved it till last. Wow. There's a moment between speaking in truth and, I guess, actively responding to that. And and this is not formulaic. I think what we kind of see as Jesus tries to model, there's different ways in terms of... um, Sorry, we need to be clear that... We don't just go, I'm going to pray over someone and then yank them up from the wheelchair type thing. There's, there's different moments of stirring that come in terms of what healing is in different situations. But the key thing is, do we believe that Jesus can heal? And if we believe that, we can speak into that. And if we speak into that, we can say, let's respond and let's act on, on that. And so that's open to a rise of faith. There's, there's acting on that rise of faith. There's been so many moments for me where I felt like something inside of me going, oh, I feel compassion to pray for someone, just who maybe I don't know, or maybe in the workplace. And I go, oh, I'm not sure. I just don't act on it. I feel like if we recognize that stirring up, be like, let's just be bold. Let's just go in faith to be like, well, what might happen in that moment? 
And then afterwards, which is why I wanted to continue into verse 16, it's about giving Jesus the glory afterwards. So many of these, you, it's not um, by assumption it's kind of made clear that there'd almost be lots of pats on the back, I assume, for like Peter and John to be like, oh, well done, well done. They're like, it's nothing to do with us. It's nothing to do with us. We've prayed for this guy in the name of Jesus. It's all about faith in Jesus. And it's all about Jesus' name that's brought about the healing here. It's nothing to do with us. There's no glory that we're going to hold on to for ourselves. We're going to say all of this was Jesus. The prompting came from him. The, the only thing we did was to say, I believe Jesus wants to heal you. I'm going to act in that. That faith comes from you. And then we go, Jesus is the one who heals So whenever we find ourselves in these moments, it's important to ensure that the glory goes to him who's done it. So here's just some headline reminders. One is that God is God over every day. Over every day. And two, you are citizens of heaven over every day. If you're a believer, you are a citizen of heaven every day. And thirdly, God's love and care can come through every moment of every day in any situation. This is not just about healing situation. I feel like this is more just about a mindset change for us. That we believe that God knows of everything, uh, every need that we have in our lives, um, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. You know, it, the Bible describes how we were knitted in our mother's wombs. He knows us intimately. And that's the true of everyone. He knows that about everyone. He knows that about our family members, our friends, our colleagues, uh, the cashier in the supermarket, the dog walker down the park, the bus driver. He knows of their needs. And we can become heavenly paramedics in moment to moment because we're citizens of heaven and we can spiritually see the needs that are there, the deep, deeper spiritual poverty and ask God for rises of faith. Let's encourage him. Let's ask God for rises of faith across our, our week because the mentality is that we are first and foremost citizens of heaven. And wherever we find ourselves, God can use us. Then we act in them, then we glorify him afterwards. So I just want to pray for us. If you're able, why don't you, why don't you stand? I just want to pray for us. If you're comfortable, um, why don't you put your hands out? It's often just a sign that we just want to receive from God. I just want to pray a couple of things over us. I think one thing, if you're someone uh, 
like that I can find where you kind of feel like you kind of regularly need to have your uh, sort of a, a visa entry stamped in, stamped out. I'd love to just pray for us, pray for you that, that you would know that you are a citizen of heaven, period. And the enemy isn't to deceive you around that. And I'd love to pray for us um, that we would be bold, that we'd be open to the rise of faith, that we would act. And in faith, we would see Jesus' redemptive power at work here amongst us. So I'm going to pray for those two things. Father, I thank you for this example that we can see here in this word. Lord, I pray for those of us here that would feel that sometimes we um, lose our citizenship or we're not um, good enough for our citizenship. Lord, I pray against those lies of the enemy. Lord, we pray against them. Lord, we pray that you would seal within us uh, a clarity in our hearts that every day we wake up and every day when we go to sleep, and all the way through that day, Lord, we would know with assurance and confidence that we are citizens of heaven. We are yours. As believers, we are yours. And Lord, that we would be reminded that through that, Lord, you said your Holy Spirit would be given to us and would dwell within inside us. And Lord, that we would sense your power at work within us, whatever that looks like. Lord, I pray against the lies of the enemy. And Lord, we pray that you would put your hedge of protection around us, that we would be confident in our knowledge and the certainty in our hearts that we are firmly within your hands, firmly given citizenship by you. And any sense that comes from those other things, Lord, that you would banish them, Lord, that you would put them in the bin because they're not from you. Lord, help us to know that first and foremost. Lord, we pray that it would just be a lifting off of people. And Lord, secondly, we pray that we want to be your hands and feet here. Lord, we want to, as you know that this church has served so many years, so faithfully, be reaching out to, to meet the social injustices of this world. Lord, we're so thankful for them, those ministries. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, that we would each know that we have the, the power and faith in you to see your redemptive work go wherever we are lord go wherever we are lord whoever engage whoever we're engaging with lord we pray that we'd have a spiritual insight to see what you want to do in a moment to moment lord whether that's bringing a, a verse of encouragement or saying uh, about speaking a healing over someone or giving a colleague a worship song that we think would really touch them in the moment that they find themselves in. Lord, whatever it might be, Lord, we pray that we would be stirred by you to respond in these moments. Lord, and we pray that wonders would come from it. Lord, wonders would come from it. Wonderful testimonies would come from what you're doing in our lives. Lord, and we just want to declare, Lord, as we do all those things, Lord, we recognize it's you who does them, not us. It's you who does them. So, Father, just by your spirit, would you just equip us, anoint us in this place, encourage us here. As we go out this place, into whatever context we find ourselves. Amen.